Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. If you don't know SiriusXM, then listen up. Commercial-free music plus sports, comedy, talk, and news. They have it all. And right now, you can get your first three months of SiriusXM outside the car for just $1. Go to SiriusXM.com busted to see offer details and to subscribe. Offer available to new SiriusXM streaming subscribers. SiriusXM, no car required. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show weekdays from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM, Fight Nation, channel 156. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is WWE Hall of Famer Bully Ray. Do you know who I am? Of course you do. On today's episode, check it out, everybody. ECW legend, the innovator of violence, Tommy Dreamer, and I discuss SmackDown ahead of the WWE Super Showdown this Friday. We also got a big debut in New Japan, and we welcome two great guests to the studio. Goldberg came face-to-face with the dead man on SmackDown. We'll talk about this first ever match at WWE Super Showdown. After making a huge impact at AEW's Double or Nothing, Mox, John Moxley, made his New Japan debut against Juice Robinson in his first match since leaving the WWE. Plus, from Impact Wrestling, Conan, 5150 Conan, and the newest signing to Impact Wrestling, Michael Elgin, who I gotta tell you is ripped, chiseled, and jacked right now. He joins me and Tommy in the studio, and me and Tommy are not ripped, chiseled, or jacked, and he's balding. All that right now on the Busted Open Podcast. The big news coming out of SmackDown last night was the return of Goldberg. And not only did we get the return of Goldberg, we got the face-to-face with Goldberg and The Undertaker. A lot of mixed reviews last night on social media. Uh, Many people thought it was a cool moment. They did the old-school Goldberg entrance with the security guards, brought him down to the ring. Um, and then we get him cutting that promo and then the gong and the lights go off. Let me get your opinion. How do you feel that the segment went last night? And are you excited for their match? That's going to take place at super showdown in Jetta. I looked at your social media tweet. You put on the Twitter machine this morning and I used, it was definitely, there was a lot of uh, raw SmackDown. And then there was also a lot of neither. And of course, you know, the Twitter will be filled with hate and negativity, um, me personally, I actually really enjoyed that segment as well as I enjoyed a lot of SmackDown. I thought it was almost like an old school feel to it where nothing super duper special is going to happen because we're getting ready for the, the show on uh, Friday. But they set all their angles pretty, pretty cool. And in 2019, I think that was the best way for them to present for a first time ever, icons, The Undertaker and Goldberg. I really, really enjoyed it. And, you know, that old school feel where uh, you think about it, man, even though he came back for a little bit, but I mean, Goldberg was, you know, the star of WCW. He was probably the hottest thing that 
uh, WCW had since the NWO. And, you know, you and I were there when he came to WWE the first time, wasn't, you know, the best. And then when he came back, it really, really worked out. But it was a great, I thought it was a great, it was a tease. It really showed like, wow, it's 2019 and we're going to see this match that we've wanted to see forever. Will the match be, uh, you know, a Matt Classic? Absolutely not. It never would have been a Matt Classic. We all know The Undertaker is going to work hard. We know Goldberg is going to bring his intensity and that's that. There's no doubt that Goldberg, Goldberg looked great. Uh, Taker looked great. Um, seeing them face to face was a was a cool moment. The gong going off and Taker disappearing. Um, the build up, although short, has been good. They went with the whole less is more thing. You just brought up the match, though. Um, the the match is the payoff. What kind of payoff do you think we're gonna get? You know, I've said on the show before that I believe that the super showdowns uh, in Jeddah are basically glorified house shows, house shows with millions and millions of dollars behind them. So the actual match, will it live to the buildup? How long would you like to see the match go? And what story would you like to see told? I think we'll have a really, I want to see everybody's entrance. I mean, the entrances alone. If you think too, if everybody who plays video games, what do we love to see? The authenticity of the entrances of the wrestlers. Um, I think the entrances will be off the charts. I think we're going to have a great stare down. They're going to take their time in the beginning. Actual in-ring match, six to eight minutes will do me just fine. It really will. There are a lot of people out there that, you know, love it when Undertaker comes back. There are some who say that other than the entrance is really nothing that they need to see anymore. Do you think Taker and Goldberg, obviously, they're going to be touching for the first time. Do you think they're going to have any chemistry together? Uh, Taker is, you know, Taker is still, he's so good no matter what. And, And again, it's not a nostalgia factor. I mean, I just was a part of van damme sabu and myself at the arena and it was right place right time and everybody was was so so on and i think that venue with you know in saudi arabia they haven't they love the older talent uh because they didn't get wwe for a long long time you know so they like those those stars that's why they brought back the hulk hogan's that's why they bring back the older talent to go over there because those are what the people know because they were such mainstream people i think uh i think the match will be exactly what people expect and i mean the finish to me would be an interesting outcome but it doesn't have the ramifications it did even if it was five years ago like oh my god you know goldberg beat undertaker oh my god undertaker beat goldberg well, you just said the match is going to be exactly what people expect. I mean, the last time the WWE did an event over there, we had Taker and Kane versus Shawn Michaels and Triple H. And if I would have went with what you just said, the match would have been exactly what the people expected. Well, I guess the people would have expected a great tag match. It's not really what we got. We got 25 minutes of things that didn't exactly go the right way for those four guys. So... Goldberg and Taker never being in the same ring with one another. You said we're going to get exactly what the people uh, would expect, but what should we really expect? Uh, I agree, but I mean, that was also the match where Triple H got hurt. I wouldn't, 
I mean, you can't give this match. You can't tell those two guys go out there and do 20 minutes. Um, if if you're going to do that, it's got to be give us 20 minutes uh, and 10 minutes has to be don't even touch because you would have to see that. But uh, I, honestly, it to me, it would be lock up, push off, power power moves, guys no selling stuff, Undertaker going for a choke slam, Undertaker going for uh, the tombstone, Goldberg going for the spear, Goldberg going for the jackhammer, stuff like that. That's the best way to, to get that match to me in the people's eyes. And it should only be, seriously, actual in-ring six to eight. A lot of times you can't give people uh, that much time because, I mean, when was the last time these guys wrestled? I mean, Goldberg really never had great classic matches. He just had intensity, and he had he had a Goldberg match. Will he have that with Undertaker? Mm, he's not going to beat Undertaker in a minute, you know, so. It's pretty funny that you said six to eight minutes because we share the same fat brain. I was saying seven to ten, give the people the greatest hits. Get in, get on, get off, and get out. Anything more than that, I think you risk the potential of things just going wrong, and you don't want anything to go wrong. And the beauty of our business is you can stick to the things you do well, and you don't have to do the things that you know you don't do well. I don't think they should take any risks over here. It's It, it really is a best of. Um, I know you've worked with The Undertaker before. Have you ever been in the ring with Goldberg? Yes. I've... Uh... When there was a bounty on uh, Goldberg, I uh, when I was getting that gigantic push in WWE, uh, I had to uh, gigantic. <laughs> I uh, was I came out during Shawn Michaels versus Goldberg match, I believe, and uh, there was a bounty on him. I wanted to collect that bounty, and then uh, I ate the spear, and uh, then I got speared by him. Uh, me and Stevie got speared and jackhammered by him as well. So let me ask you this. If you are promoting this match, if you're booking this match, who do you want to see go over? Who would you put over and why? Number one, I will tell you if I'm booking it, which I would love. Uh, can, if they want to work House of Hardcore Saturday or Sunday, I will I will find a spot for you guys in Long Island or Philly. Um, I would not put the match on last. That would be number one. And who would I put over? I would put over The Undertaker because he is the symbol of WWE and Goldberg represented uh, WCW. And even though a lot of fans won't remember that, but there's one fan who I think would remember that, and his name is Vince McMahon, and I would kind of do that. Would you feel cheated if they went the Goldberg-Brock Lesnar route and gave you three or four minutes? Uh, if it was a good three to four minutes, uh, no. But again, man, that whole thing, we already said it. The entrances are going to be amazing. And a stare down, if the people could be going, Goldberg, Undertaker, Goldberg, Undertaker, you still got it. Well, that wouldn't be so much in Saudi Arabia. But if this match was here in the States, and that should really, that's it. Go for a choke, punch, punch, hit the ropes, tackle, no sell, no sell, bang, bang, choke slam, go, 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 we're done. If the match were to go really well, would you like to see Goldberg uh, come out of retirement on a part-time basis and possibly do something with some of the other talents in WWE? I was most impressed with how good Goldberg looked. and He's never looked bad, ever. 
No, I mean, I mean, we we were his trainers in WWE, so we got him to the to the dance uh, physically, and um, but <laughs> um, he looked super jacked up. Uh, I wasn't a fan of you know the gray beard, but when he came back, man, his second run was great, and his second run. Uh, going into the Hall of Fame, really, really fit. It fit for for the Goldberg character, and it brought new fans to love this great character. Would I love to see uh, Bill Goldberg come back if it's if it worked a hundred percent? Because the guy has intensity. The guy has he brings he brings it in the ring, and if it's also you know, look what you do. Look what I do. Look what Chris Jericho does. If you're willing to pass it to the next generation, man, that would be great. Or, or look at if Brock Lesnar was kicking the crap out of uh, Seth Rollins and here came Goldberg and you got, you know, a Goldberg or if, God forbid Paul Heyman got involved. I know they don't do that much in that in WWE, but man, Seth Rollins uh, versus Brock Lesnar with Paul Heyman in one corner and Goldberg in the other corner would be great. Do you do you think that um, somebody like Goldberg would be a benefit to the WWE if he were to stick around or come back as the WWE was going into the to the SmackDown being on Fox deal? Uh, you know, fabulous because I didn't even think of Fox deal. I mean, honestly, think of if you look at. Shane McMahon and he's got this posse beating up on uh Roman Reigns if you continued this and yes you had you know the revival and they had they added the Usos which I thought was very very good but what if if it's Drew McIntyre and somebody else and and Goldberg comes to the aid of Roman Reigns that's a cool you know Shane McMahon and and Drew McIntyre versus Goldberg and Roman Reigns that would be an amazing main event on on smackdown on fox I, I didn't even think of that fabulous you see you're good you're good kid you learned from a good uh, booker there like what you're hearing catch busted open live weekdays from 9 a.m to 12 p.m eastern on sirius xm fight nation channel 156 or on demand with the sirius xm app I think we can both agree that Mox is on fire. He's the talk of the wrestling world. Uh, Might be the number one most talked about guy right now. Um, How do you feel about him going over to Japan and and beating uh, a top Japanese wrestler, uh, a fellow gaijin, uh, right off the bat in pretty strong fashion? Smart move by uh, New Japan. They got to work on a lot of their uh, camera angles because if I see uh, different guys talking during the match, that's uh, come on now. You got to have better production during that. But John Moxley really has uh, reinvented himself, uh, and he, he is. He's one of the hottest guys out there. Juice Robinson, another guy who was in the developmental system, uh, decided to take a bet on himself. He was there for a while. And really stepped up in New Japan. Not a big fan of uh, his new haircut, lacking his dreads, because I thought he had such a unique look. But um, the match was good. Um, It's playing now in studio. One of my, and this is more towards the wrestlers out there, if you, and I see it all the time on indies, and I'm seeing it more and more on WWE program, on everywhere I go, man, you guys and girls, you have to catch people because I almost watched Juice Robinson literally break his tailbone 
uh, did a dive off of like uh, the scaffolding area or the entrance area. There was five people there and nobody caught him. Everyone had uh, alligator arms. You, ha- I see this all the time and people are getting hurt. What the hell is wrong with you? I knew in ECW, all of us, we took pride in catching guys. And if you, I, I wasn't a diver because it was always who the hell wants to catch me. But guess what? I knew Devon was there. I knew Bubba was there. Even Landstorm, just incredible. I would dive on numbers and, you know, hey, I remember back to back to back, I had to catch Masato Tanaka, Mike Awesome, Terry Funk, and a 500-pound Volkswagen named Bully Ray that dove over the top rope in Japan, and I caught every single one of them. 403. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I caught that uh, bus. Felt felt like 500. <laughs> <laughs> it felt like I got hit by a Volkswagen. But what I'm telling you, people, if you want to dive, cool. And if not, then don't do it. If you don't trust that person because you can, your careers can end. I see it all the time on GIFs. Uh, I just watched it. I couldn't believe five people, especially if you're a young boy in Japan and how don't you not catch him? You got to sacrifice yourself because that's what you're out there to do. They should be doing squats until tomorrow. Well, there's no doubt that juice crashed and burned on that dive. It was a physical match. It was it was pretty one sided with with Mox just beating the crap out of him. You know, when I think about John Moxley and I and I think about New Japan, it almost seemed like a round peg in a square hole to me. I never felt like that might have been a good fit for him. But right off the bat, it seems like it's perfect. Did you ever think that a character like John Moxley, a performer, an entertainer, a wrestler, a fighter like Mox could go over to New Japan and be so successful his first night? And do you think he has longevity there? I do. Uh, I've wrestled him. He, I wrestled him before he went to WWE. The kid had, and I say kid because I remember him for a long time. I mean, he a lot of influences from EC. Whoa, he's blasting him on that table. I like it. Hard way, that bad boy. Um, a, a lot of influences. Promos are phenomenal. Uh, he just went to the WWE from NXT to the main roster, and he just excelled. He has an amazing fan base. And you had brought it up with, and I could use the same analogy with uh, when you said Brock Lesnar for, for, I'm sorry, Goldberg for Fox. It's the same thing with New Japan. They have a show coming here in uh, July, and they're trying to bring their stuff to a bigger audience. And, you know, what a great way to do it with identifiable person as, as John Moxley. Do you think Mox brings more to the table for New Japan right now or for AEW right now? For right now, he brings it to New Japan because that's where he just won the title. And I know he's working with AEW. AEW has a few shows on the books, but I think it'll be all guns a-blazing once they debut on television, whenever that is. And I'm sure Alex knows when that is because I do not. He's got a new look, um, same badass attitude. You could tell that Moxley, listen, everybody knows that Moxley came from CZW. He is basically, he's a blood and guts guy at heart. Is this what you'd like to see him do, uh, you know, going down his career path? Would you like to see him more as that? You know, I always compared him. I said, I told him one time, you you remind me of of a mixture of Terry Funk 
and Atsushi Onita. And anybody, I mean, obviously, no, everybody knows how Terry Funk was, but Onita was that wild card kind of hardcore guy. And that's how Moxley, who Moxley reminds me of. Would you like to see him be that kind of guy, or would you like to see him the in ring competitor that he was in WWE? Ooh, great comparison. I always said he reminds me of Terry Funk and Dick Slater. I never thought of the Onita thing. And man, that's fabulous, especially for, you know, because of, you know, Onita, besides being able to get sympathy, even though they were, you know, basically blowing the man up, uh, he he did have that wild card thing where he didn't know what was going on. And, and Ambrose has that wildness. Uh, I, again, man, he's, when you say CZW, uh, it's the same like uh, ECW. A lot of people, and there are a lot of guys who are, when you say blood and guts, uh, that was ECW. But, man, everyone who came from ECW, we all knew how to work. Um, as well as, you know, Dean Ambrose, John Moxley, they come in there and this kid can wrestle. It's the fact that he can do both, which makes him so unique. And, you know... The blood and guts aspect, anybody anybody could literally hit each other with a light tube or just be a wild, crazy brawl. But these guys can wrestle. And when you can wrestle and you're willing to do anything to promote slash push yourself, you're a star. Do you think Moxley is blazing a trail for guys and gals in the future that might want to leave the WWE and be true independent contractors who freelance all over the world. I mean, he's going to be working with New Japan. He's going to be working with AEW. I know there are some plans for him to work with some of the larger indies on the Northeast. Do you think Do you think other wrestlers are going to follow suit? I mean, Cody kind of set the standard for, you know, the first guy to leave and do big things, and now we got Moxley. What what kind of tone do you think it sets for the rest of the wrestlers coming out of WWE? This business, and you and I have discussed this off the air, we are in a renaissance, and when I say a renaissance, it's about, it's exploding on the indies, and I say I said last year was the year of sharing, this year I think is the year of everyone uh, bogarting their talents. Um, this is... The door is wide open for wrestlers in the sense of you have options. Um, both, every company from the WWE, AEW, New Japan, Ring of Honor, Impact Wrestling, everybody has to lock their talent up and decide what they want to do with them. And if talent, they have to, you sign a deal, sit out, wait your contract, do what your bosses tell you, get over uh, and always say, hey, I could always move on to another place uh, if I don't like where I'm at. If I do like where I'm at, cool, I'm going to stay here and be a big star. I think it's going to challenge the organizations with their creativity and what they're doing with these talents to really, really keep a talent where they're at. You know, for, for us, when we were in ECW, a big part of it was our creative freedom. And I think that needs to be, I know talents have that somewhat in Impact Wrestling. Uh, I don't know how that goes in uh, WWE, but you know, if you're a top guy, you have creative input or you have some, you know, juice with the boss. And for a lot of people, that's what they want. And if you're, you know, Moxley was not happy, 
he took his ball and went to another team. You know, I'm, I'm still in the studio watching this match. It's a great match. I don't think Ambrose, I mean, I'm sorry, Moxley would have had that match, but I don't, you know, Juice Robinson was a guy who's in the developmental system. He was young. Everyone else kept getting called up, and he was like, you know what? I want to go be something else, and he accomplished it. So kudos to him. Same with Cody. Hell, look at the Bucks. The Bucks got to pick where they wanted to go, and they made the right choice. I, I totally agree on I totally agree on all of these guys doing what they want to do back the way things were done a, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. If you don't know SiriusXM, then listen up. Commercial-free music plus sports, comedy, talk, and news, they have it all. A lot of people think you need a car to enjoy SiriusXM, but you don't. You can listen outside the car. Right now, you can get your first three months of SiriusXM outside the car for just $1. Just go to SiriusXM.com busted to see offer details and to subscribe. You can listen on your phone, at home, and online that's SiriusXM.com slash busted offer available to new SiriusXM streaming subscribers SiriusXM no car required in the studio with us from impact wrestling my 5150 brother got conan conan how you doing this morning man yo what's up i'm glad you could join us here and uh but um i would like to say that i just walked into enemy territory with a boston red sox hat on boom Totally, he did. <laughs> you walked into New York City yes. with a Boston Red Sox hat on. Into this studio, particularly. <laughs> he does things to bother me all the time. Every time I see him, he's always sporting something uh, Red Sox. Big fan of the Boston Red Sox. And he always makes fun of me, just like Dave LaGreca, for all my different teams. He's like, what are you representing that hat for? But- not, not to mention the fact that he mispronounced uh, El Pollo Loco. <laughs> Dude, would you like to let him know what you thought it was called? Uh, what did I call it? El Polo El- Loco. Yeah. Yes, right. I was. I was very white when I went and ordered that in the when we were down in Miami. Yeah, he, he gets that stuff wrong all the time. Anyway, Conan, uh, things seem to go be going pretty well with Impact these days. Uh, I would say baby steps forward, uh, probably for the past year. We have spoke uh, very highly of the pay per view pay-per-views you guys have been putting on what do you attribute to the positive steps being taken forward by impact right now uh well you know i you know you were there for a lot of years as i was i and a lot of mismanagement a lot of ownership not having a clue of what they were doing a lot of people that just came there to just pick up a paycheck you know and so i really think uh when uh don uh, Callis and Scott Diamore took over. They had a different mindset of how they wanted to treat the talent, what type of talent they wanted to be uh, with the company. And, uh, you know, the first thing was getting the dressing room chemistry right. And then after that, you know, the storylines have been really good and you got a lot of people that are not, you know, that are good on their promos. Uh, you know, they're, 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 whatever they're doing is getting over, whether it's Eddie Edwards or Sammy Callahan or LAX or, you know, uh, Tommy, you know, he gets over everywhere he goes. He's super not over with me, though, because I would like to say this. You're podcasting now, too, Tommy? What What else? I what is going on with you? And in a studio. I do it from my house. You had to, like, do it in a studio, too. Bully, he's got heat with me, just so you know. <laughs> his, not a, his ass and head are getting bigger by the day. <laughs> That's it, tremendous. It's, it, it's amazing. Yes, his ass is tremendous. I, I, I agree with you. 
What? Let me ask you this. Tell me about some of the the very obvious positives that are going on with Impact right now. You said creative. Right. When I watch Impact these days, I see a lot of the the guys and gals being out there, going out there, and being allowed to be who they are. Tell me about some more of the positives going on right now. Well, I just think that it's a lot like you when you. I remember when uh, you know, like when you were doing. I, I tell you this, you and me had some little good promo battles when uh, 3D went against LAX, you know, and we all had like, you know, you guys had creative liberty, so did I. When you were doing that Aces and Eight, you were, you know, Aces and Eight, whatever, uh, you had a lot of creative, li- uh, I could tell you had a lot of creative liberty and you were knocking out of the park and that's what they're doing. They're giving all these, you know, bro, because you know, we have better ideas usually sometimes in the promotion, like. We got ourselves over. Who doesn't know what's better than ourselves? There's going to be some guys that need help, so you help those guys. But everybody else, you know, like you're, you know, to me it was a beautiful thing to go to WrestleMania and see how Joy Janela had his own style of wrestling. Joy Ryan had his own vision of what wrestling should be, you know. And you now, you know, wrestling are, you know, the, the, the creative forces are the boys, and it should be like that. You know, Bubba, I, I'm around Conan. We were talking about, you know, if Goldberg comes back to uh, the WWE on more of a part-time basis with uh, to help with Fox. We have, uh, and you and I have talked about this, There, and for the people listening, there probably is, you know, no bigger star from Mexico than Conan, a, a, a living legend from there. But here's a guy who, with his mouth and his mind, helps the younger talent for, forget about just helping people, but also finding people, bringing people from Mexico to the United States and vice versa. And I mean, I'm watching right now, we have in studio the LAX documentary that they play on uh, from the Fight Network. And here are two guys, they were in studio with us on Monday that were just independent wrestlers that Conan went, found, and now they are, you know, their tag team, I guess, royalty. They're, they're two guys who can write their ticket wherever they want to go. And it's because of Conan. I mean, look at what Rey Mysterio, who's wearing his shirt today, very, very nice. Look what Rey Mysterio still brings to the table. And there's just because, you know, due to injuries, Conan can't do it in the ring, but what he contributes with his mind and with his promo skills is what this business is about. It's about giving back and creating the next generation of wrestlers. So kudos to you, even though you were in a Red Sox. So so based on what he just said, Conan, let me ask you this, and this might be a little bit of a difficult question because it's like asking you to choose which one of your kids you like better. Right. Do you like the, which do you prefer, the original version of LAX or the modern version of LAX? Um, You know, and I, I have a love for both of them, bro. It's kind of hard because you know LAX is what's put us in the map because it was a, it was a, is a group, organically, from Impact. You know, it started in Impact. You know, and so and that's that 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 really helped me out a lot. But these two guys are really special and they're really gonna go far in this business. And the funny thing about it is, is that Jarrett had actually told me like on a Thursday, hey, by Monday I need you to find two Latino guys. So you can imagine all the stuff I was going through, and I had to talk to them on the phone and make sure there was chemistry, then we met each other. But, you know, I'm very proud of them, just like the Lucha Brothers. You Absolutely. Know? 
do do you find that the um that the newer version of LAX is a lot more open to your suggestions or did you have a great line of communication with both teams? Yeah, with both teams excellent rapport. Yeah. Were you happy with the last pay-per-view with the, I don't know if it was the last one or the one before. Were you happy with the LAX versus LAX match? I thought it came off well. What were your feelings on it? Bro, that was incredible because I didn't know Eddie Kingston. I would like to say that the Yonkers, where you're from, and Eddie mm-hmm. Kingston is a dump. <laughs> I actually went there the other day, and it was brutal. But anyways, uh, so Eddie Kingston, you know, he's real tight with Homicide and LAX. You know that whole New York clique. You would know more about that than I would. So they already knew each other, and they're always, always p- putting over Eddie Kingston. And so when we started this feud you know, my whole thing was I'm going to give Eddie as much microphone time as he needs to really shine. And he really got over big time. You know, he's really good on the mic. Yeah, Eddie's uh, Eddie's the man. And first of all, Yonkers is a very, very nice uh, no, it area, is not. sir. Westchester County no, is the highest tax county in America, and we have the most millionaires per capita. Oh, that's why I live there. And uh, Eddie <laughs> Kingston. Wait a minute. I don't, the part I was at did not in any way. Uh, you come and hang out at my hood. It was, right. It's very, very nice. It's suburbia. It's everyone, like, holding Can hands. you attest to that, Bubba Ray? Uh, he he's yeah, from he, Dix Hills, Long Island. You don't even know the money that dream, comes up from Bubba's family. Yeah. Dreamer Dreamer pays about thirty thousand a year in property taxes. Wow. He lives in like the highest rent other than Beverly Hills, he's in the high rent district. You wonder how he got there. I mean, he wears the same clothes every day. His gear bag smells like nineteen ninety six. He's a sloppy man, but he's got millions. He, he's 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 as frugal and cheap as Tony Gurria. Oh, or maybe nice. even Paul Lee. <laughs> Paul lives in the town over. <laughs> They're neighbors. <laughs> That's awesome. A, a creatively within Impact Wrestling right now, Conan. If it, if it was up to you, and you guys seem to like you're going in the right direction, what would you like to see be done better or change immediately? Uh, eh. you had a little raven in yeah, here. Little raven. Eh. <laughs> well, uh... <laughs> I'd, I'd be more on TV. Yeah, I think I should be champion. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think they're going in the right direction. You know, I just think they need a better platform than Pursuit. Exactly. You know? uh, but I think they're going in the right direction. Everything I see, great, great atmosphere in the dressing room. You know how important that is. We've been in very toxic locker rooms. Very, very good atmosphere. You know, a lot of great talent. A lot of guys that can cut promos. Some really cool storylines. I mean... I think there's not much I would fix. Maybe the girls' division a little bit better talent, but other than that, yeah. You you mentioned pursuit, and I and there have been rumblings out there on you know on the internet about TNA. I'm sorry, Impact Wrestling looking for a new home. Uh, can you speak on that at all? Are they are they looking for a new home? Are you hopeful that they'll find a new place? They, uh, I'll answer that one since Conan, uh, you know, he's doing his own thing. But yeah, they're they're searching, uh, trying to find and a bigger platform. We all say it's the best television that uh, not a lot of people are watching, only because they don't know where it is. You can find it on, you know, uh, Twitch. You can find it on their YouTube channel, which is doing amazing. But you for everybody wants that. You know you can find Monday Night Raw on 8 o'clock on the USA Network, the same with SmackDown on Tuesdays, and that's what they need to improve where everyone, you know, it's that channel and brand loyalty where everyone knows, hey, I can watch this on this time. 
Uh, most guys our age will talk about, oh, WTBS, 605, you know, wrestling. That's You want that ingrained in your brain if you're a wrestling And fan. let me throw this out here real quick. because Speak a lot, on this. A lot of people that may not know this about me, uh, don't think because I'm in Impact, I'm a company shield, and I'm just going to put them over because I've been in Impact. I've been in WCW when things were bad, and I was still in the company, and I buried them on interviews like this. Got mega heat for it. <laughs> but... Uh, you know, let me ask you, Bully Ray, do you watch the show at all? I don't get to see the television show. I get to see the pay-per-views. All right. What do you think of the pay-per-views? I said on the show last week that from Bound for Glory last year up until your most current pay-per-view, I have been entertained by the product and the pay-per-views. I Listen, we both know the locker room has never been the problem, whether that was in TNA or it was in Impact. We, us, the the talent, the guys and girls, that we always went out there and busted our asses to the point where at one point TNA was actually putting out a better creative product than WWE. In the past year, I definitely see steps forward. I definitely see a more entertaining, a more athletic product. Psychology-wise, I think there can be some improvement there. But in 2019, I'm not so sure how important psychology is as opposed to entertaining. And if popping the audience for three hours is what they want, then why not give it to them? And that's my take. What do you think? Well, here was the here's the, no, no. I think psychology is always going to be important, and 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 it was proven when we saw that match with Dustin and uh, Cody, right? Absolutely. And, and so you know, we come to you, me, Tommy. We come from that era from psychology, and so what I try to do is every match can't be psychological, and every match can't be a video game match. So I just break up my matches. Like when I'm booking in AAA, I'll give you a hardcore match, I'll give you a funny match, I'll give you a match with a storyline, I'll give you a match with the top guys. So there's always something different going on, which Impact does a really good job of too. You know what I'm saying? And so uh, what you need a good story that people can get behind and get emotional. Because, bro, at the end, when Cody did the little line about, yeah, I don't need a partner, I need a brother, that was pretty emotional line. But 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 you said that you thought Cody and Dustin was a psychologically sound match. I, I'll, I'll kind of agree with you there. I think what that match was was epic storytelling. Yeah, storytelling. There was better storytelling in that match than there was psychology, and there was more psychology on that match than probably just about any other. Maybe just Jericho and Omega being a close second. But that type of storytelling, I believe that if the like talent from Impact or even Ring of Honor for that matter, if you can incorporate that kind of storytelling with just a little bit of psychology into the athleticism that all of these younger guys and gals have, that's like the recipe for success. The one thing that we are missing in this business that the three of us grew up on is storytelling. How great of a story did you have when you went into that cage in the When Worlds Collide pay-per-view? I know we're going right back. You, um, Who did you work with again? Uh, Pedro Aguayo. With Pedro Aguayo. How great of a story was that going to that cage? Right, exactly. And that's, and so, you know, I'm a big fan of storylines. Like, I love storylines. And like, now it's kind of hard because, you know, I'll read some of the comments. This is how wild it is. 
I'll read some of the comments from like American fans that watch the AAA product, and they're like, "Why is it taking so long for this, you know, um, storyline to unfold?" Right, exactly, because I'm. It's like you know, it's like peeling layers off an onion. Everybody, you know, WWE does everything so quick now, and I'm not trying to beat up on them because you know we all grew up watching them and they did it better than anybody. They set the standard so high that sometimes it baffles us how that standard became so low. But I think it's just like, you know, storylines to me is like the root of every great feud. Yes, and, and I mean, that storyline was, you know, with you, you were the young up-and-comer. He was the older veteran, and those storylines are missed. And, and like you said, peeling on, or it's the first paragraph or the first chapter of a book where you want to get the people so emotionally invested it, with AEW with the, with Cody and Dustin they didn't have to tell a big story because everyone knew they were brothers and and their father was the American dream and and they didn't really push that but the emotion what got me we had grown men and women I watched it live on every monitor crying crying yeah, when Dustin was going to leave a real good moment <clears throat> and when you can hook a person like that that's that's what compelling television and compelling movies are all about and and that's the school we all come from because that's what <laughs> made us us you know and, and when you can do that with with in today's day and age it's amazing but i mean it's also work because you're doing it in triple a where you know they're going to be coming to the garden this year correct right and they're going to pack that place because of the emotional investment that wrestling fans have with their favorite wrestlers. And the great thing about that match is, and my favorite thing is, there's nothing better, as you know, than having a good ending to a, a match or a feud because, to me, if the ending isn't good, the match wasn't good. You know what I'm saying? And the, all, all they remember is the finish. Yeah. I think that's why so many people were hot at Game of Thrones. Boom. <laughs> that was some bad booking. Yeah. Speaking of bad booking, you're going to get me booked in that loser lose your hair match and uh, for the garden we've been talking about because God's been taking my hair for a long time, so I kind of just want a payday from it. Can you work on that for me? I could work on that. Right. I know a couple people. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> hey, Conan, you yeah. mentioned a little earlier on about the feedback, and you know it seems like the number one place uh, you get feedback these days is on social media. Right. Um, what is your opinion on social media when it comes to pro wrestling this, these days? Do you think it helps or do you think it hurts? You know, it's a double-edged double, double -edged sword, right? So you're using it as a marketing tool to meet people, to hear what they think and stuff like that. But it just gives a voice to every idiot out there that's, you know, that's pissed off about something and just wants to start, you know, BS and... And not only that, we have a very hypercritical, hypersensitive uh, fan base, to, which coincides with a politically correct, fake outrage, over-the-top outrage society. And uh, and so, you know, you just got to watch what you say and what you do, because there's always somebody out there trying to bury you or trying to, you know, uh, you know, twist your words or, you know... Uh, sensationalizing or scandalizing everything and that's the bad part of it you know there's a lot of good to it there's a lot of good good parts too you know so uh, i'll give you an example like now you just can't be funny you know nothing's funny i did a i, I so you know that disco you know i have a podcast with disco inferno uh, keeping it 100 yes so on it he works at a uh, strip club in um at uh, sapphires in las vegas so at the end we always have this little thing where i say that you know, um, 
that he uh, he gives free hugs to cute transgenders, right? Which is a joke. And some guy goes on there on uh, social media because I'm about to do this um, like seminar. He goes, yeah, will you be, you know, eschewing your transphobia rhetoric? And then I just put, yeah, you bet I will. You know, I didn't get into, you know, I wasn't going to apologize and all this other stuff because that's what they want you to do so everybody can pile on. So, you know, you just got to take it with a grain of salt. You know what I'm saying? It, it's so, you know, I did uh, the spot at uh, AEW with Sonny Kiss and people were, you have people saying it was bad. What was then the spot? You, uh, he jumped up. It was kind of like the Rikishi thing. I caught his legs and he brings me into his butt. Right. Um, uh, like Na- Naomi does. Naomi does right. it. And so many people were, wow, how could you do that? And it went all like uh, hate and homophobic. And I was like, I took the same move from Rikishi. And is it because he's straight? It's okay. Right. Uh, and and that, that ain't me. That ain't you. But that's where people want to read their own things. And it's that's a horrible place. To, but like you said, everyone has everyone's entitled to their opinion. But a lot of people want to put stuff out there when they don't know the facts. So it's it's dumb. Yeah, but because that, that that's the problem we have today, bully, is uh, it's not who's right, it's who's first. You know, and so they'll go out there and put misinformation and then later on they'll worry about the consequences or apologizing or redacting it. But the damage has been done and now you got to come out and explain yourself. And, bro, you're not going to convince everybody, you know. Correct. Well, well, that's the truth. And and last question for me, Conan, you mentioned um, or Tommy mentioned the AAA show coming up at MSG. Obviously, just a couple of months ago, we saw Ring of Honor and New Japan get together to put on a sold-out show at Madison Square Garden. Is AAA confident that they can come close to a sellout or sell out Madison Square Garden? You're never confident of anything. So, you know, we're very hopeful that with being September 15th, which is Mexican Independence Day, and the card that we're going to put up and the fact that there's a lot of, you know, uh, Mexicans and Hispanics and people that like Lucha Libre in the tri-state area from abroad and being Madison Square Garden, the special event that it's going to be that we're going to do very good. And that loser lose your hair match with Tommy Dreamer. Yeah, is gonna Tommy sell Dreamer out. and the legless guy from uh, <laughs> AEW. All right. Well, we'll Great. be back. <laughs> Great stuff with Conan. Conan, thank you very much for being on the show today. We appreciate your time. Uh, Impact with their TV tapings uh, this Thursday and Friday at the Melrose Ballroom in Queens, New York. Like what you're hearing? Catch Busted Open live weekdays from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156 or on demand with the Sirius XM app. Now we're jumping over to the newest member of the Impact Wrestling locker room, a guy that just came out of New Japan Wrestling, had a good run there, shows up at the last Impact pay-per-view, Basically, power bombs the dog piss out of the champion, uh, Michael Elgin. Welcome to Busted Open. How you doing, brother? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, not a problem. Uh, you know Tommy Dreamer? Yes, I do. I'm so, I'm sorry to hear about that. <laughs> we have wrestled quite a couple of times. Have you beaten me yet? I don't know, but it's always like shows that you kind of have a hand in. So I don't know that. <laughs> I don't, I don't have. I didn't have a. Sh- I didn't have a hand in the Bruiser Brody <laughs> Cup. It was destiny. I channeled my inner bruiser Brody to defeat you. 
Mike, you were in uh, you were in New Japan for a while. You, you you did really well over there. You now you're in Impact. You've been here for what, like about a month or so? Yeah, just just over a month. Uh, end of April. All right. How you digging it so far? You gelling well with the rest of the locker room. You like the direction. Tell me about your experience so far. You know what? Uh, man, I can't speak highly enough about my experience so far. Uh, the locker room. You know, I know everybody from the independence a lot that I had done shows with uh, years ago too, um, since before New Japan. So I knew a majority of the locker room well before joining there. And then you got Don Callis and Scott Demore, and I've known them for years as well. So, I mean, I've just had a, a great experience, and it's definitely the change of pace I needed, and I'm happy to be there and looking forward to the future. Mike, can you tell the listeners who may not know who you are, your background, like where, when did you get started? I know you're from you're from Toronto, yes, correct? Yes. Congratulations on your Raptors, by the way. Are you oh, rooting for them? I am just unbelievably rooting for them. All right. So yeah. is the whole city. Oh, yes. so is the whole country. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, uh, growing up just outside of Toronto, I started training when I was 14 years old. My God. Uh, then I had my first match when I was 16 in 2002, and uh, it's just been go 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 ever since. Um. I had about seven years in Ring of Honor from 2009 to 2016, and I joined New Japan in 2015. And uh, any wrestling fans that do know me probably know me from those two organizations. But it was a long road to get there. You know, I was um, traveling to the States every weekend because when I broke in, uh, Canada really was kind of like off the radar. Nobody really paid attention to Canadian independent wrestling. So it was really hard to get seen there. It was really hard to get out there and really hard to, to get the opportunities that we wanted and needed to succeed. So it was a long road of, of many trips, uh, beating up cars and, and uh, not making a lot of money, but it all worked out in the long run. And as I said, uh, Ring of Honor was, was a great company to be a part of. And then so was New Japan. But, you know, sometimes you just need to change a pace and you need to kind of uh, reconfigure yourself and and change the settings around you, and I think that impact was the was the place to be. Who were? Mike, um, hold on, Mike. Right. You said you needed you a change of pace. So mean, Mike. You know, you're I'm I'm not you. mean. I, I'm He's not mean, mean to me. You asked one question. It's one and one. Get okay. with the get with the program, um, Mike. You said you needed a change of pace. Why exactly did you need a change of pace? You know, there was a lot of things going on. Um, one, I signed with New Japan just a few months after my son was born. So I'd missed a lot of his life. I missed his first steps, missed his first words, uh, missed two of his birthdays. Uh, so that was a heavy factor. And then another factor was, is just that travel to do six and eight man tags so much and only have those big singles once in a while. Uh, it was tough for me. Um, you know, with Ring of Honor, they put me with Truth Martini as my manager. And then when I broke away from them, they always asked me to kind of speak in sound bites. So I didn't have the creative outlet with anything other than my in-ring work. And then with New Japan, you know, they ask us foreigners often to speak in, in simple English so that the Japanese audience can understand us or at least follow along or when it's translated, they can translate it properly. So you don't get to really... Um, Put the emotion that you can have behind your words and anything that I had that was creative was coming out through my work and when it's six and eight man tags you get short time in the ring you don't really get to uh, show people that creativeness that you're capable of showing so uh, those two things really weighed heavy on me um, and it was just time to 
to get new opponents and new big time matchups so that I could show that creativeness and also give myself an opportunity to talk and show people that it wasn't that I can't talk. It's just that I didn't have the opportunity to vocalize the things I wanted to say. You know, uh, Bully and I, before you were in studio, were talking about the change in the wrestling landscape for the wrestler. And he was like, do you think wrestlers will have other opportunities. We were watching uh, John Moxley and uh, Juice Robinson, two guys who left the WWE. You're a guy who has not been in WWE, but you at, how old are you? I'm 32. At 32, had the opportunity, because I know, I, I've known you for a long, long time. New Japan was kind of what you wanted to do. You go there, you do it. You have the opportunity to stay with New Japan or go to somewhere else. You chose to come to Impact because of one, a new opportunity, money, and creativity. And for wrestlers and, and for the nation that's listening, having creative input into your storylines or even just, I can't tell you how to be you. No right. one can tell me how to be me. But when you're able to, that's the biggest thing for us. And, and wrestling fans see that too. When, when I tell you, um, I don't think, I don't know if the match, yeah, the match has aired you and Rich Swan. Yes, yes. Bub, when I tell you it was one of the best matches I've ever seen, uh, and the story that they told, you guys went about 25 minutes, yep. and it was, like I said, a story was told, the physicality, it was old school meets new school, and it was one of the best matches I've seen in a long, long time. Um, I, I, if the nation go out there and search and do your homework and watch it because it was awesome, Bubba, you would have loved it, but that creative factor is weighs so heavy on so many people. Yeah, yeah. Well, first, you know, thank you for the kind of words about that match because I was really proud about it, and Rich Swan is an amazing wrestler. Um, was I your agent? I believe so. That's why the match maybe, was even maybe, I don't know who my agent well, was. Well, just say it was. But, for, okay, for the yeah, listeners. sorry. Tommy Dreamer was my agent, <laughs> and that's why the match was so good. Dear but, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's a lot, like, when we have singles in New Japan, you know, it wasn't heavily aged in, you know. Um, we would have people kind of say, oh, maybe try this here or something. But we did have free reign. It's just sometimes those singles matches didn't come often enough. And as I said, that's kind of where I get to express myself is in the ring because that's what I focused on for so long that I just needed that. And I would get frustrated. I'd do six and eight man tag matches. I'd miss, you know, my son's birthday, miss his first words, miss his first steps. And it was just eating at me. And, uh, I had to have that change. And I went back and I watched like eight months of the impact product with pay-per-views and the TVs, like every cardio session I would just put on a pay-per-view or one of their TVs. And I felt that they were really focusing on pro wrestling, what pro wrestling is about, you know, uh, the world championship was important. The tag team championships was important. The X division championship was important. And to me, that's what wrestling should be like. Um, you know, obviously there's some other factors that come into two people wrestling each other, you know, a, a deep rooted hatred, whatever it may be. But the focal point, maybe that hatred is focused on, okay, both of these guys want to be world champion. They want to be the best. And that just, that's what pro wrestling is to me. That's what I grew up on. That's what I love watching. And that spoke volumes to me. And I knew going to Impact would give me the opportunity to wrestle guys like Rich Swan, Brian Cage. You know, hopefully I get to, to tangle it up with LAX and, and Phoenix and Pentagon and all these guys that are so good. And I get to have those matches that I want to have and hopefully people want to see and people talk about. 
Mike, uh, kind of a two-part question here. Uh, Dreamer is putting over your match with Rich Swan, and um, obviously uh, Dreamer has high levels of credibility with me when it comes to his opinion on a wrestling match. But I also saw you wrestle Kenny Omega in New Japan. Did you like your match with Rich Swan better than your match with Kenny Omega? <sighs> That's hard. I... I like them both for different reasons, you know, because Rich Swan and Kenny are two totally different wrestlers, so it produces two totally different matches. So I, I enjoyed them both, and it's really hard to pinpoint one specifically, you know, and especially because I had quite a few matches with Kenny. Like, uh, it's really hard to, to say which one I like more. Um, okay, let me ask you this then. You said that one of the problems with New Japan for you was you were missing a lot of important um, events in your child's life. And uh, I totally get that. I mean, I don't have children. Dreamer does. I'm sure he can attest to it. Many other wrestlers, you know, not being able to see your children, you know, grow up is a huge deal. Plus the plane rides over there. But if your singles matches with Kenny would have produced a singles run for you where you were being featured more and not just going over there for six and eight man matches. Do you think that would have changed your mind of whether or not you wanted to stay with new Japan? Yeah, I I think so. Um, That was definitely something to go with it because I would have these singles matches and come back and say, what do I need to do? And I was just told like, no, it's great. You're great. Uh, You have the best matches with these guys. Like, and I was just wondering, like, well, what would I have to do to have more singles matches? So I think it would have, you know, at least put that more so as an option to stay, you know, because at the point when I was offered a new deal, there was zero chance that I was, say, was staying at that time. So I think that at least would have given me the option to uh, to at least, you know, see which which kind of where I wanted to go and what deal I wanted to take more so than just be like, I'm not taking this deal. What, you know what I mean? Like it was one of those situations where there was just no chance I was staying in new Japan at that time. Who were, um, some of your influences? Like you remind me of a, a modern day, uh, Scott Norton, who were some of your influences or like guys you really were like, Whoa, I wish I could either be like them or take some of their stuff. It's a it's a weird mixture, actually. Um, it was Dr. Destiny Williams. Ooh, good one for you. Kenta Kabashi, uh, Stan Hansen, Davy Boy Smith Jr. or Davy Boy Smith, I should say, and Shawn Michaels. Hmm. Shawn Michaels. Yeah. Where does the Shawn Michaels come in? I just I was always a Shawn Michaels guy, even being Canadian. You know, I remember WrestleMania 12, all my friends going for Bret Hart, and I was a through and through Shawn Michaels guy. And when I started, you know, I was the Tried to do some a little bit more flashy stuff, and once in a while I'll bust that out just to to kind of be different because people don't expect that from me. But I mean, he was he was my guy growing up, you know, outside of uh, the guys in Japan that I liked. That's why you're a natural heel. You like Shawn Michaels, and you're from <laughs> Canada. I could see all the other guys. I mean, I could see it because you're a student of the game, and you know, Shawn Michaels perhaps one of the best workers of all time. But um, I could see the other guys. So you're a big All Japan yes, fan. Yes, I was a huge All Japan fan. Um, man, I I still constantly. I mean, I was doing cardio at the hotel this morning watching Masawa and, and uh, Kawada. 
So I still go back and watch all the All Japan stuff. And, I mean, one of my favorite matches of all time was actually uh, Kabashi and Kikuchi against uh, Crawford and Lafon. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, the amazing match. I watched that maybe once a week. Kikuchi so. doesn't get enough credit for what a great worker <sighs> yeah, he, was he truly amazing. was. Yeah, he was amazing. That All Japan stuff, I mean, still holds up right now. Early 90s, mid-90s, uh, late 80s, All Japan with uh, Masawa, Kawada, all those guys there. I don't think it can be touched because it was that – that great uh, combination of Japanese psychology with just enough American style, and it has always been my favorite in-ring product. And the match that you just mentioned, uh, Kawada versus Misawa, um, I've only had my wrestling students watch one match, and that's the one it was. And it was for their registering, their selling, and all of the in-between. I don't think anybody has ever made everything look as good as those two had. And when it comes to selling, I, I don't think there was any better, of more realistic of a seller than Kawada. Yeah. You know, every everybody talks about Ricky Steamboat and Ricky Morton. They were sympathetic and believable, but when it comes to selling and being realistic, I think it was Kawada. What are your feelings on that? I, I 100% agree with you. I actually run a wrestling school too, and I tell my students the two guys that I love to watch is Kawada and Kabashi. And Kawada for the selling, Kabashi for the fire. And I'll often just show them pictures of just Kabashi in some instance in his match without his opponent in and say, what does he feel at this point? And you can tell at all times. So for the selling, 100% Kawada. And then for the fire and just that, like the facial and body language of changing gears, I think Kabashi is the top of that. So those two are like my two guys in that in that four pillars. So, so let me ask you this. Uh, I want to switch gears a little bit. Recently, you said in an interview that it was really important for you to be able to come over to Impact Wrestling and have five-star matches. Is that correct? I said that I that gives me a goal to work towards. Um, not necessarily that it was important, and I also said that it's not that in the grand scheme of things, I don't think that necessarily holds a huge meaning, but I think that it's good to have matches that people talk about. And if I can come to impact and have those type of matches that do get a rating like that, whether people don't agree or agree, they're speaking about it, which puts more eyes on impact. So if you were to go out there and have a match, a 20 minute match with let's say rich Swan that ended up with the entire arena, giving you a standing ovation and screaming, that was awesome. But you went on the internet and some, uh, wrestling journalist dirt sheet guy gave you three stars, you wouldn't be disappointed by that, would you? God, no. No, no, not at all. Because I think that that crowd reaction, people would react to that and be talking about how awesome the match was live, and people would then seek it out, which, again, is the goal of putting more eyes on what we're doing, what I'm doing. So it doesn't matter about that, you know, necessarily, you know, a journalist giving it five stars, but it's the reaction that people get from those matches that make people want to seek it out and watch it. As I said, you know, Tommy was just telling people if they haven't seen me and Swan to go find it and watch it. And that's what I want. I want the eyes on the product because, you know, even before I joined, I was a huge fan of the impact product and that's why I wanted to go there. And if I can help, put any new eyes on it or any different eyes on it or eyes that haven't been on it in a while and bring them back towards it. That's my goal with those type of matches. Um, I love it. And I, you know, it's funny. Like I've recently, when you say about talking, listening to you now, I, 
I know you. It's a different you uh, when we share a locker room. But you are very, very articulate. I have seen your in-ring promos, and they are very, very good. What may, You're given that opportunity. You're handed the ball. You haven't fumbled. You haven't dropped the ball. You have brought scored touchdowns. You, you have delivered. And when you keep on doing that, you keep, I don't want to say you get rewarded, but it's then a company knows we can go to, we can go to you. There was never, ever any doubt about your in-ring. If people ever wanted to doubt that you couldn't talk, it's because you weren't given that opportunity. Now you're given that opportunity. And and for Bully, for myself, for you, for Moxley, it's that creativeness. And and I I know we've said it before, but it means so much. If somebody offered you, I think, $20,000 more, you would probably say no. Yeah, 100%. You know, um, I've also found that I have to do what makes me happy. Absolutely. You know, and it's, uh, I don't want to go home every night and beat myself beat myself up over what I'm doing. And I know I'm not going to do that with impact. I'm having fun. I'm wrestling amazing talent. There's great people who are in control of the company. I know that I can go to them with ideas, whether they'd use them or not. At least I'm being heard. At least they're going to say, okay, well, why do you want it that way? Well, I think this, or we think this. And then at least I'm hearing the ideas and why we're doing something one way rather than like, no, we're doing this. That's just the worst thing I think for a wrestler and, and trying to be creative. It's like, you you always kind of have your back against the wall fending everybody off when they speak to you that way. You know, when it's like, no, we're doing it this way. You're like, automatically, it just puts that in yourself like, well, no, we're not. I don't want to do it that way. Right. Even if it's right, if they just say it that way to you, you're like, no. You put it, up your defense. Yeah, you, you have to. And, uh, you know, everything being explained and, and giving that opportunity to speak up and, and give some ideas and say, well, what if I do this way about it? Or what if we do this way? Well, I was thinking this because of this. And that's that's what really helps also understand it so you can produce it to a high level rather than just being told what to do. If you're explained the reason, I find wrestling is a lot like the in-ring stuff, everything that goes on in, in backstage and talking, everything like that. If you're explained the reason why you're doing something, when you do something, how you do something, why is really important, and then you can you can really put everything into it because you're understanding where you're going with stuff. And there was a lot of times where I was never told that, and it frustrated me. And you know, I, I unfortunately kind of wear my heart on my sleeve, and everybody will know if if something's frustrating me or not. But that doesn't come from an egotistical point of view. It doesn't come from anything. That comes from the passion because. As I said, I started training when I was 14. I've been doing this for a living since 2009. This is all I know. I don't know much else. You know, I could probably go out there and do something else. But, I mean, I do my cardio. I watch wrestling. i walking around talking to people, and I'm thinking about wrestling. It's I know. Just, you're it's crazy. Constantly, I love it. It's constantly on my mind, and it's what I live 24-7. So to be frustrated in that position it kind of makes you like not want to think about it you know i've had times where i'm doing cardio and i'm trying to watch anything else but wrestling because what i'm doing is so frustrating that it's like if i watch this right now it's just going to make me think of the positives and i don't want to think about the positives because it's so negative right now and i right now i'm just in a happy spot where i get to watch wrestling i get to love wrestling i get to talk wrestling i get to think wrestling and it's it's amazing and bubba when i when i say this and you understand this he's 
old school values with new school rules. And, you know, I'm with him all the time. He, he's he's one of us. Uh, and you understand that statement. He's fat? No, he's actually not. <laughs> he's in the best shape I've ever seen. I know. I, I saw him. To, when, when he powerbombed Brian Cage, I was like, holy crap, he looks good. You went from you went from power, like, like power lifter to like bodybuilder. What the hell happened to you? Man, it was just. My knees were taking a beating, uh, and powerlifting, my joints were taking a beating, so I just decided to cut the carbs and train more like a bodybuilder, and it worked out. See, Tommy? That's all you need to do. Cut the carbs. Bubba's ankles gave up on him seven years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Mike, let me ask you this. Um, Me and you have crossed pads maybe uh, just a couple of times. You've, You've come off like a confident guy to me. You're confident in your wrestling ability, yes or no? Yes. Okay. Are you confident that Michael Elgin in 2019 can put asses in seats for Impact Wrestling? Yes. Why? I think that I offer something different. I think that I have given out the persona that I'm real, that what I do in that ring hurts, and I look like I have the intent to destroy everything that's in my path. And I think now, given the opportunity to talk and not only show what I'm going to do everybody, but tell them what I'm going to do to everybody. I really think that that's something that people want to see. I think that I add a believability that not everybody else does, and I think that that's what's missing in some aspects of pro wrestling, and I think I offer that, and people are going to be drawn towards it. So you're, you're, admit, you're saying that you're a good talker on the microphone. Do you think you're a good storyteller on the microphone? I think that I can tell a good story on the microphone i think i need more work because i've never given the opportunity to talk as often as i would like to but i think that given the opportunities now and knowing where i'm going to i think that i'm getting there what's the one thing about michael elgin as a performer or character or a wrestler that you think you've had bottled up for entirely too long that you want the world to know about you I think that's that that ability to talk. You know, as I said, I think that's the one thing that has kind of eluded me in every top promotion I've been in. Like I said, when I went to Ring of Honor, I was put with a manager. I was put in a faction, and I was the last person to talk, and they, they didn't want me to say much. And then when I was solo act... They were like, oh, just speak in sound bites so we can use it for packages. And I, I'd start to cut this promo. And they'd be like, no, 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 just talk in sound bites. And then in Japan, it was, you know, simple English so the Japanese people can understand you so that we can translate it. And I was never given that opportunity to just speak openly and freely and, and say what I want to say and deliver it how I want to deliver it. Let's go outside of Impact Wrestling just real quick. If you had to choose anybody else other than who's in the company right now, who out there in the world of wrestling in general could you see yourself having a great performance with or, more importantly, making money with? Uh, right now, I think the top would be uh, Sakimoto from Big Japan Pro Wrestling. I think that that would get a lot of interest because there was a lot of talk about it while I was in Japan and I isn't think that, isn't Big Japan a blood and guts company? Uh see it used to be solely blood and guts and they still have blood and guts, yes, but they have uh Okabayashi and Sakimoto, which to me are two of the best wrestlers in the world. Uh and I think that if you haven't seen them, you should check them out because they really bring to life that that old uh all Japan style. 
Well, that all Japan style is definitely a style that works. Last question from me, Mike. Um, uh, first of all, I wish you luck with Impact. I hope things go the right way from, for you. In the next couple of weeks, next couple of months, what's the one thing that you can guarantee Impact fans that they're going to be seeing from Michael Elgin? Well, I can guarantee you that Thursday and Friday night, uh, I am going to hands down have the best matches on the TV tapings, and you're going to want to watch them live at the Melrose Ballroom, or you're going to want to catch us on uh, on Pursuit or on Twitch, uh, wherever you can find it. And then I guarantee you when it comes to Dallas on the 7th, uh, myself and Brian Cage is going to be a match that's going to be talked about, and I think the world's going to see me as Impact Wrestling World Champion. And you talk about, uh, I guess, the greatest compliment I can ever give somebody is booking them on one of my shows. And you'll be on the main event this Saturday. I'm actually really excited. So You don't know this, but when I saw that we were doing that show and Muda was announced, I went up to Don and was like, hey, whose ass do I got to kiss to wrestle Muda? He's like, oh, no, no, it's already. I was like, okay, no no ass kissing then. So... Um, I'm very, very excited for that as well. Myself um, and the great Muda taking on you and Johnny Impact. Yeah, uh, Muda was one of those guys growing up. Um, as I said, he didn't quite make like the influence list, but he's one of those guys that I was watched and just mesmerized by. And uh, I think when being part of New Japan, I don't think I could have ever had that match. Like I think it would have been one of those matches that are like, hey, maybe you shouldn't wrestle Muda, even if it's not within Japan. So... Uh, that's definitely like one of those bucket list items of, oh my God, I'm doing this within my career. And so. Sunday you're going to be facing the Dinosaur Man, Luchasaurus, in a hard-hitting matchup in St. James. So you're getting all the exclusives here. But get your butts out to House of Hardcore. Get your butts out to Impact Wrestling. Yeah, you know, yeah. How do we find you on social media? How do we go uh, to your school? <clears throat> I need help. I need some training. Well, Come on. Now. At MikeLogan25 on Twitter, and I talk about the school there. I often upload videos of my kids doing stuff, and uh, that has all the info for me to if anybody in the St. Louis area wants to train, they please email me. And then on uh, on Instagram is Big Mike Impact, and uh, the Instagram is kind of being taken up by sneakers right now. So, um, but <laughs> the, your the sneaker Twitter, mark? Oh my God! I like fourteen pairs in the last two days. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Well, I got to tell you, I'm really enjoying you guys discussing uh, your Muda stories. It's it's awesome to hear. Back in my day, in 2006, uh, me and Devon 3D'd the Great Muda in the middle of the ring in uh, Sumo Palace and uh, pinned him and beat him and defeated him and Aki Bono in the finals of the All Japan Tag League where we went undefeated. But I digress. Mike, it was great having you here on the show today. You know why that uh, happened? Because Muda <laughs> couldn't produce enough green mist to get Bubba. It would have to be like a, a whale spouting out all his mist. That's why he lost. Uh, you're bald and you're fat. Um, so Impact TV tape- <laughs> Impact tapings this Thursday and Friday in Queens, New York at the Melrose Ballroom. If you don't have your tickets, get them now. And Slammiversary, Sunday, July the 7th in Dallas, Texas. Um, Mike, thanks for coming on. Good luck, and uh, good luck on your quest to becoming Impact Champion. Thank you for having me, and uh, thank you for the well wishes. I think that uh, I think that the quest is, is going to be fulfilled. 
And speaking of how great of a talent and talk you are, you have not said A the entire time, and you're Canadian. Did you Have you worked on that? I think just living in the States and traveling wow, the States so long. Wow, you lost your A. I, yeah, I did, I did. Go eat Tim Hortons unless, stat. Unless I'm around Canadians, and then it starts to come up nice. Thanks for listening. Catch us weekdays on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation, Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.